0: Welcome into Twentieth and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host Drew Kreisman. Always excited to talk Colorado Rockies and/or Major League Baseball with all of you. Hope you had a fine week. You love birds. I hope your Valentine's Day was good. Everyone else, hope you're taking good care of yourself and those around you. You're feeling well on this Friday. I have unfortunately got some irritating stuff that I've got to talk about today because, well, that is the state of Major League Baseball at this point. Figured I'd dive into a little bit on the latest in the CBA, get to some of my theories on what's really going on here, and then talk about some of the ways in which this is going to impact the Rockies in particular if and when we ever get onto the other side of this lockout thing. So let's begin with the latest news, which was basically no news because the parties had a meeting for 15 minutes which i don't even see how that's possible it takes 15 minutes for the number of people that you would need in the room to file into the room so i don't know what they're doing with a 15 minute meeting you can't but but here's the re- this is why this is something and not just kind of a weird funny stupid story or just a an indication that these two sides right the owners and the players union are really nowhere close to each other and that for me is this and this is where I get to start getting into my conspiracy theories a little bit here because I have been of the belief for a while now that no matter what the players offered here no matter what the players have said that they're willing to do or whatever the owners are going to skip some games this year the owners are not bargaining in good faith and the reason you know that is because of the infrequency and complete lack of productivity of these meetings, right? These meetings aren't designed to produce a solution. They're not in there trying to figure things out because the owners, in my estimation, believe this. You, the players, forced us to play a season we didn't want to play in 2020 when they couldn't sell tickets or overpriced beers or jerseys at the stadiums, and all the things that the owners do to make money during a baseball season other than the TV and radio contracts. And when the players essentially publicly shamed the owners into playing a season in 2020 where they would have been happily just not, they would very happily have not given you any baseball in 2020 uh, even though, as we saw, they were able to do it and they were able to give us a season such as it was of 60 games and ultimately a World Series champion, again, such as they were, we can put asterisks all over it, but we got baseball that year, proving the player's point that it was very much possible to do that. And of course, the players deserve to get paid for their work, for their time, for their labor during that time. But the owners... Have been since that happened, in a quiet behind-the-scenes rage at the players. That thing got ugly. Uh, going back to the summer of 2020, when there was no baseball and things were coming out and people were talking about certain things, I had players on Twitter, you know, just going off. And I don't know if y'all have seen some tweets from people like Marcus Stroman or uh, former Rocky David Dahl. How about Austin Gomber? I retweeted what Austin Gomber had to say the other day when he was talking about you know service time and how long it's going to take before he can become a free agent and even have the ability to negotiate a contract that pays him fair market free market value. Like he's never been in a situation where he's able to get paired paid based on what he produces. He gets paid based on well the collective bargaining agreement and what owners have decided. Young players are arbitrarily worth, like all of them. (laughs) And we, of course, know because we watch baseball that not every young player is the same in value. So, what I see here is the players coming up with all kinds of interesting and creative solutions saying, Hey, you can either pay us more, just in general, just pay everybody more, or You can create these pools where the best players get paid more, or certain young players who really exceed expectations, they can get paid a little bit more. Some of these minor leaguers, they need to be paid a livable wage, and they can get creative. If it's not in pure salary, it can be in a bonus pool, or it can be, let us hit free agency a little bit earlier, right? The players are coming up with all of these different potential solutions to say, here's how we can make it so that... 70 to 80 percent of the ballplayers in baseball aren't being underpaid just because like 10 percent of them are being dramatically overpaid doesn't mean that we should, you know, fail to recognize the 70 percent of ballplayers who just aren't getting paid what they're worth. Just straight up. It's not what the market would have them at. And so they're coming out and saying here are solutions to this problem. And not only will it make it so that the players are in a better situation and are getting better taken care of and are therefore better to produce for their team, especially when we're talking about supporting minor leaguers with resources, but it also creates a fairer, more stable game for fans. And I think this is the thing that a lot of fans are missing out on is that baseball doesn't just have a parity problem because some teams are smart and other teams are stupid. This is why I have to push back so hard so often on a lot of, you know, the Colorado Rockies stuff. It's not that they're not inept at several things. Of course they are. They make a lot of dumb mistakes and and so do a lot of other teams. But people focus in so hard on that, and I promise you Reds fans and Mariners fans and Orioles fans and Royals fans are doing the same thing, and plenty others, where they think it's all about their own team's ineptness. But parity as a concept hardly exists in Major League Baseball. And when you look over the last, I mean, 100 plus years, almost 150 years now of baseball, just look at the top five teams in terms of winning percentage. Through all history, it's the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cubs. These are the teams. And who was in the postseason last year? Well, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Cubs. And then there's always room for one or two. You know, obviously Atlanta won the whole shebang. And you know, ever since the '90s and Ted Turner and them having money, they've kind of joined that group, right? Where they won like 16 divisions in a row. Was it 14, 16, whatever it was in the '90s? into the early 2000s. And so what we have here is a game where the power and the resources and the talent and the money are all getting centralized. And it all gets centered in New York, Chicago, and LA. Then when one of these other teams goes on a nice little run, people use that as an example to act like there's no problem. The Rays and the A's have become the poster child for this Decades ago, it would have been some other different teams. But the idea, this is what's screwy to me, is that implicit in understanding what the A's and the Rays are doing is to recognize they're overcoming an unfair problem. It's literally what Brad Pitt, as Billy Bean, says in the movie Moneyball. It's an unfair game. We're the last dog at the bowl, right? That is not you know, so people go, well, they were so creative in overcoming it. Therefore, everyone should be able to do that. That's essentially like saying because someone got a 10-yard head start in a race, but still didn't end up winning the race, that everyone should be able to overcome that head start that whoever did win the race came up with. And that's just not how it goes. The fact is, The game of baseball is, the game of Major League Baseball is at its fundamental system right now, not fair for most of the mid to lower market teams. And it's not just based on how much money they can spend or not spend. There are just so many incentives in the game to either move your assets when you're not good. We all know what tanking and selling and selling at the deadline are all about, right? And people love to point out the times when it works out. Boy, do people love to point out the times when selling works out, which is definitely the exception to the rule than not. As much as we can play the clever strategic game of, oh, yeah, you should move this star player on an expiring contract so that you can bring in this prospect, and then in a couple of years if you do that enough times, you're going to be really good because you brought in all of these prospects. But the Seattle Mariners have been following that formula for 20 years and haven't been in the postseason since 2001. You look at the Mariners, and it's, you know, people think this is true of the Rockies. It's actually much more true of the Mariners, where you like grow up a really quality talent and then by the time that person gets close to being a star or a superstar, it's time for them to become a free agent or get traded. And that is exactly the problem that the players are trying to solve. Because I promise you, the players would love to be able to be competitive and good at the game of baseball and not have to just choose to live in one of three cities. As much as guys love living in L.A., you know, people rarely complain about that. You know, L.A., New York, or Chicago shouldn't be... Your only choice is if you want to both get paid and be competitive, right? Sure, you can go play in Tampa or Oakland and maybe be competitive or on, on one of these super smart moneyball teams, but you're not going to get paid. And sure, you can go sign a big contract in Texas the way a whole lot of people did just now, like right? Marcus Stroman. Um. Who's the other one? (laughs) I'm blanking now. But, right, you you can go sign a big contract for the Los Angeles Angels. You can go sign a big contract there. But because Artie Moreno is such a terrible owner, you know you're not going to be regularly competitive. Right? And so many of these teams in the middle are lost in an ability to not build anything sustainable. Because eventually you will lose your quality assets to one of those big brand name teams. And baseball needs to find a way for there to be more parity. There are a lot of ways to get that. You can expand the postseason, which I think is coming. You can pay the players more across the board so they don't feel like they have to chase the big contract in the big city. And you can disincentivize losing. And that's one of the things that you know I I think both sides are actually on and why I keep coming back to this. Yeah, there's... They actually agree on a lot of this stuff. Both of the players and the owners want the universal DH. Both the players and the owners want an expanded postseason. And honestly, both the players and the owners really do want to come up with some sort of public solution so it doesn't look like the players are getting totally screwed. Let Let me change that. So it isn't that the players are getting totally screwed. The problem is that the owners hold all the cards. They hold all the leverage. They can simply, literally lock the players out and wait until they feel like they've recouped enough of their lost monies from 2020 and then they'll start the season. And that very cynically, I'm afraid, is what I think this is all about. Because there are solutions to these problems and they've all been floated. Some of them even by the owner side. Most of the solutions, yes, have been floated by the players' side, but it's all out there. There's not some mystery, you know, new idea that's going to enter the room and, and fix this for everybody. The solutions are there. The thing is the play or the owners just don't want to start the season on time because they feel like they can recoup some of their costs from twenty twenty by not having to pay their players or run their facilities for like a month or whatever it'll be. And I hope I'm wrong about this, folks. I've, I've never hoped more that I was wrong about this. I hope a week from now, I'm talking to you. The CBA has been all figured out. They've come to an agreement. Spring training is right around the corner, and we're going to have a 162-game baseball season. I would love it. I would love that. As it is now, I'm expecting more of a 100, uh, maybe 120-game baseball season, There's going to have to be some kind of spring training. There just does. And it's really disappointing because I I don't think that the reason is that these two sides can't come to an agreement. I think it's that the owners just don't want to right now. And no matter what is said, that's why these meetings are so short. And that's why they're so infrequent. It's not about what's being said in them. It's not even about what's on the table. It's about the owners are pissed at the players for making them play baseball in 2020. And they're taking it out on all of us. That's it. That's what this is about. And if it wasn't, the owners would open their books and show us. Their only claim, the only thing that they have, the owners, is this nebulous and ambiguous claim that owning a baseball team isn't as lucrative as we all assume it to be. And I'm sorry, but that is a claim that needs to be evidenced, and they refuse to evidence it. So until you show us the books, until you show us that you're not making money hand over fist the way we're all pretty damn certain that you are, then no, BS. We don't buy your claim that owning a baseball team isn't as lucrative as we think it is. That's nonsense, absolute nonsense. So until they open their books, the owners don't get any benefit of the doubt, they have no argument. They're just being stubborn out of spite and pettiness. They can afford to stop all this right now. I sent out a tweet like a week ago and I said, and this is still 100% true. The players, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. I always want to start with the players. The owners could agree right now to 100% of what the players have asked for and offered, right? Just Just say, okay, we'll go with what your proposal is. And if the owners did that, the players would be in a better situation. The league would be in a better situation. The fan base would be in a much better situation. And ultimately, the owners will be in a better situation because the game will be healthier. More people will be watching. More people will be spending money on baseball. And that's ultimately more money for them. And even if I'm wrong about that, even if I'm wrong about that very last part, that it'll be good for the owners. Maybe it's bad for the owners because they have to pay everybody more, but it's good for everybody else. The owners will remain some of the wealthiest people on the planet. So they can agree to the terms right now, give us a full season of baseball, pay all their players more fairly, pay all of their minor leaguers more fairly, and all the people working at the stadiums and all of that, Create a game that has more parity in it so that half the teams in baseball don't feel like they're out of it before the season even starts. And what have the owners lost? An amount of funds that is completely negligible to a billionaire. Will it make them less wealthy? No. They can absolutely afford to do this. So what is the reason that they're not Like I said, I've got my theories, and I shared them all with you. Uh, everyone else you, arrive at your own conclusions. All right, let's let's swip, swip, what that's not a word <laughs> swap over switch over. Now I think I tried to put those two words together into how all of this affects the Colorado Rockies. Right, and it gets back to that word I was just talking about: parody. The Rockies are a perfect example of why the rules of the league. Need to change. You've lived this reality for years, right? As I was kind of talking about other teams or the the Mariners a minute ago, you probably went, oh, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, back in the day, Larry Walker, though that's a little bit different of a situation, right? A lot of pitchers over the years, Pedro Astacio, John Gray, just now, you know, they kind of reach or, or they're getting to their peak. That's the other thing that's super weird about free agency in baseball is almost everybody hits it at like age 27 or 28. And it's like right in the middle of your physical prime, but it's also right as your game is probably a year or two from now going to start to decline. And so it it always creates this. It creates the exact same situation every single time where that player, even think of like Albert Pujols in St. Louis, playing for 10 years, and then he hits his peak production and free agency. And you remember the Cardinals at the time were like, you know, we'd love to have you around, but it's just not smart for a team that doesn't play in L.A., New York, or Chicago to pay somebody that much money when they're probably about to go and decline. And guess what? St. Louis was right. As much as fans were pissed, he was the best player for a decade, this, that, and the other, how could you do this? How could you not be loyal to that guy? Because the league doesn't allow those smaller market teams to make those investments wisely. When they do try to do something like that, it ends up looking like Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez. Less cargo because that contract wasn't huge, huge, big for the Rockies, but the Troy Tulowitzki situation right where okay now a, a smaller market team has invested in their superstar has paid him to stay around but they can't afford to build a team around him especially if he keeps getting hurt because he's taking up such a huge chunk of their potential resources and so the players leave they they you know Albert Pujols went to LA they could pay him a ton of money cuz that was one of only a handful of teams that could afford to do so i even think about the the situation that Trevor Story is in right now, right? He obviously doesn't want to come back to the Rockies, and no one can blame him for that. But how many teams out there have the two things that he needs? One, a spot for him at shortstop. And two, for him to get paid, real paid, like he deserves to be, because he's been underpaid his entire career, because he's only just now reaching free agency. And arbitration has artificially held his salary low for years. Well, Texas is out because they got that situation taken care of. You know, you take out a couple of teams. So so it all comes down to like if the Yankees decide on someone else and the Dodgers decide to bring back Corey Seager, well, now there's an extremely, now now Trevor has to make a choice. Do I want to make money or do I want to be competitive? Because you can't always do both there'd been a lot of talk. Again, I don't think Texas is a possibility now that they've got their infield set. But about that. And right after all these quotes where Trevor said he wanted to be competitive, you go and sign with a team that has not been good in a very long time. Doesn't always look great. So I think the good news is, ultimately, because we're going to miss games, folks. I hope I'm wrong about this. I really do. But I think there's a chance to come out on the other side of it in a much better state for teams like the Rockies and the Reds and the Mariners and the Orioles and the Royals and and so on. An ability to keep your star players a little bit longer. More postseason spots so that you know maybe an 83 or an 84 win season is something that it's worth trying to get. Because we live in this world now where... People would literally, and God, I've had this battle with so many people so many times, like they'd rather finish in dead last than just outside of the postseason spot. This makes sense to me in the NBA or the NFL a little bit. It makes no sense to me in baseball with the way the draft works and how long it takes to get to the big leagues. No sense, none. But still, people will root against their own team to be above average. Because if you're not elite, it's almost that Talladega Knights thing, right? If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> and it's like, actually, look at the Atlanta Braves. They were the team that entered last postseason with the worst regular season record of any of the teams in the postseason. That was a awkwardly worded sentence. They were the only team in the postseason that didn't win 90 games or more. And yet, World Series champions and i think that opening the and some people would say that's not necessarily great for the game you can look at the number of you know world wild card teams i think it's something like half and half over the i i need to do this math again but over the last 10 15 years it's like half the time the team that wins the world series was the best team who also had the best regular season and who everyone looked had the most all stars all of that you know a lot of times it's that well half the time it's that team the other half the time it's like atlanta or the Royals or any of the times the Giants won the World Series where they were never on paper the best team. And so I think opening baseball up for more of those opportunities and basically just incentivizing people to compete, build your team, allow for a Cinderella run, allow for the fact that if you were a 77 win team on paper but you really put time and effort and thought into your season and you take a 77 win team and you make them an 84 win team now you've gotten yourself into a borderline postseason position or maybe you're in a play-in tournament or maybe you're just now the six or seven seed now that we'll have more seeds right to me that makes the game better that forces every one of those teams that feels like a mid to high 70s team to try harder to win rather than looking at well we're probably only a 77 win team on paper so let's trade off all of our players let's not sign any contracts let's not even try to compete this year and we'll just tank and you know what if three or four or five years from now it doesn't turn out that we are more competitive because we tanked it didn't actually lead to anything tangible on the field Well, guess what? All the owners did was pocket all that money. Pocket all that money that they didn't have to spend on trying to win. And that, for me, is really the crux of all of this. I've said many times before, I'll be right there with the critiques on Dick Monfort when he says something inarticulate, when he poisons a a relationship, when he chooses a, a GM over a star player, all of it. I'll be there for it, but I will forever balk... At the notion that it is Dick Monfort laughing his way to the bank because he, I don't know, thinks that people will come out to Coors Field no matter what. You got it backwards. This particular critique is backwards. The people laughing their way to the bank are the owners who are getting praised, praised for underpaying their players and still managing to sometimes be competitive. Dick Monford has come out several times, publicly said, we don't tank. We don't lose on purpose. We don't just not try. We signed CJ Krohn and Antonio Sensatella. We do these things because we don't believe in the philosophy of just not spending money on the team and letting people go, oh, that's very, very smart. Those guys are laughing their way to the bank Everyone's talking about me like I'm smart for not spending any money on my team and for not even trying. Look how smart I am. The lack of competitiveness, in fact, purposeful non-competitiveness is a poison that is killing the game. And a lot of these teams in the new era are going to have to figure out a new strategy that isn't so cynical and isn't so built around tricking the system into wins but just trying to build the best most solid most competitive baseball team you can and going out there and playing the games and see see how the cards fall you know and and that's what i think for me is the biggest thing that i think that the rockies and a lot of these other teams are going to be in a much better situation when there aren't because who, who benefits from the flip side of this whole buy trade, sell, money ball thing, right? Who benefit? It's the rich teams. Go back to last year's trade deadline and think about the teams that had to sell. Up. Everyone was mad that the Rockies didn't sell off, right? Should have sold off John Gray. Should have sold off Trevor Story. And there's some legitimacy to that as well. But where were those players going to go? Where did Javier Baez go? To the Mets, to New York, Spending all the money with their new owner, trying to be competitive. You no, know, Yeah, some other more mid-market team. Like at, Again, Atlanta, I, I think you got to count as one of the kind of flag bearers of Major League Baseball now. And they've got all that money. And in fact, they got in some big trouble for ripping off their own fan base when it comes to their ballpark. So again, when we're talking about laughing your way to the bank, if not ripping off their own fan base, certainly ripping off their own city. But they've got the funds, they've got the money, they've got the ability. I think the game will be in a much, much better situation when teams like the Royals and Mariners and Orioles aren't just essentially farm systems for the Yankees, Texas, the way they just pick up Joey Gallo. Stuff like that. You know, So who benefits when mid-market and poor teams have to sell their best players at the trade deadline for a potential hope three, four, five years from now. Who benefits? Always, always, always those teams who have forever been at the top. So that's why I think not only will it be better for the Rockies to be in a situation where, you know, there's more... Postseason spots, that obviously makes it easier to get there. Uh, I've talked a lot before about how the Universal DH should help them and and some of the health issues that come along with that, but ultimately it comes down to the team, or the league, not being filled with these super teams like what the Astros became for a good while there. That there'd just be more talent spread out across all of the league because Everyone thinks, well, shoot, the the Rockies won 74 games last year when they were pretty annoying, right? When they were terrible on the road, really good at home. People were expecting them to be the worst team ever in the history of baseball. And it turned out they were the 10th worst team last season. But 74 wins is six, seven wins away from being a 500 ball club. Wouldn't it be good for the game to incentivize all the teams who were in that spot to try to get better instead of trying to get worse? I believe so. And I believe it'll be better for everyone involved. So I do think we'll actually come out with a really much, I was going to say a really good CBA, with a much improved CBA. I truly do believe that the game is going to be made better after this ugly, ugly process. But the process has been extraordinarily ugly and the owners have made it that way. And like I said, if there was a legitimate good faith negotiation going on here, we'd have come up with a solution. I'd be talking to you right now about pitchers and catchers reporting in the beginning of spring training. I'd be laying out Rocky's spring training battles for you right now, but I'm not. Why? Because the owners have decided they haven't just locked out the players. They've locked us all out. Because they're mad that we made them play baseball in 2020. At least that's my theory. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, at Drew uh, You can also send tweets to at Mile High Sports, of course. Uh, loving all the work everyone's doing here. Make sure you're checking out all of the other sports here on the Mile High Sports Podcast and or article network on Mile High Sports Dot com. But I want to hear what all of you think about what the owners are doing, what you think we can come out on the other side of, how many games you think we're going to play, all of that. Because so much of this is up in the air right now, and I know all kinds of people are up in their feelings, myself absolutely included, about not getting a, a full baseball season. But I guess that's my final question to everybody. What's more important, a full baseball season in 2022 or a healthy parody driven major league baseball for the next decade for me it's that second thing we've got to get this right and the players cannot cannot just give in because the owners are refusing to budge that's not good for anybody Power to the players, power to the people. Thank you all so much for listening into this episode. I really appreciate you all. Make sure, again, like I said, you're checking out everything at MileHighSports.com. Other than that, I can only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.